I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a -a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hello and welcome to All Stats Aren't We, a podcast in which Leeds fans cast their combined eye over goings on at Elland Road, giving scrutiny to the underlying statistics and tactical footings at work at Leeds United. I'm John McKenzie, the end of I'm John McKenzie, the end of the old year of the podcast. Hopefully we'll be able to forget the immediate past. And I'm joined by the cusp of the new year of the podcast, Tom Woodhead. Onwards and upwards. And finally, the man that time forgot of the podcast, old enough to actually remember David Batty. It's Darren Driver. Darren, how are you doing? I'm all right, mate. Thanks. Yeah, yeah. It's it's been a been a nice few days. Bit of a relaxation. Nice, nice to do the quiz with you on uh, mm. on Monday, but not not so nice to realise that I'm going to have to jo- challenge Joe Hill to a, a physical fist fight. Uh, <laughs> bearing in mind his opinions about Melier's flapping, as he keeps calling <laughs> it. So I think jo- Joe's going down. Joe, you're going down, brother. <laughs> Something to look forward to in the new year, anyway. Uh, Tom Woodhead, how are you? I'm not too bad. I think, Darren, what you nearly, really need to worry about is when you're old enough to forget David Batty. <laughs> <laughs> Never. Yeah. Right. It is New Year's Eve, and I'm I'm conscious of the fact that both of you will want to get out on the town as soon as possible. So, um, <laughs> with that in mind, I think it's uh, it's important for us to jump straight into the Spurs preview. So this week we will be talking about Spurs. I was lucky enough yesterday to talk to a good friend of mine, Nathan Clark of the Extra Inch Podcast, and this is what he had to say about Tottenham. So Nathan, hi. How are you doing? Not bad, not bad. Uh, a bit of a uh, a slightly funny tier four Christmas, but managed to sneak my girlfriend in for the occasion. So <laughs> not too bad, not too bad. Yourself? Yeah, no good. Um, we've just well, we we are entering tier four here over New Year's, so you know similar experience mm. of festivity and and tier fourness. Um, but you'll have you'll have had a a, a bit of a break from Spurs given that the the game was called off, right? So you've had a quite a nice long festive-ish break. Maybe. I mean, we, we played a couple of days ago. True. When we're going to play next is, I guess, a bit up in the air. And when and when we're going to play Leeds is, is sort of mm. very up in the air. So let's start talking about Spurs. Um, obviously, Spurs sort of came out of the blocks quite quickly. The, the beginning of the season were towards the top of the table. We're at the top of the table for a while, uh, but have, have, have sort of, uh, dropped back a little bit recently 
how the hell do you talk about Spurs season so far? Because yeah. it seems like at times they've been overperforming um, their their underlying numbers. At times it feels as though they've been underperforming their underlying numbers. So how the hell do you talk about it? Yeah, I mean, I know that you, John, we've talked recently, have like an issue with the way that the narratives will sort of carelessly flip within a sort of 45 minutes of football. Hmm. But that has never felt more, more, uh, I've never felt that more than I do this season, wherein two weeks ago, we were top of the league. Two weeks ago, we were walking it. Two weeks ago, it looked like no one could find a way to, to score against us at all. And now, you know, the other side of Christmas, there is, and that's kind of the thing with Jose Mourinho, of course, is like the second things stop going your way is miserable. And we have gone from title contenders to, hang on a second, what are we actually doing? Do we want to do any of this? I'm not happy. I don't enjoy watching my team. Uh, Only two players are scoring goals for Tottenham. They look tired because they're playing every game. Oh my God, we've got so many games. Oh, this squad that we were really celebrating about suddenly looks thin all of a sudden. And, And you could call me up in two weeks' time. And and maybe things will be flipped back again. I just it's just the the way that Mourinho is all about results means that even more than usual, absolutely everything hinges on whatever happened today. Do you think that's an aesthetic thing then? Do you think that's you have to just buy into the system as a fan if you're if you're supporting a Mourinho team? Uh, is is that the explanation for that feeling? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, essentially. Uh, not all Spurs fans feel the same way as me, obviously, and and many of them are keen to point that out to me. But I think quite a few <laughs> people feel like as long as we're winning games, they accept it, they're happy with it. Um, you know, mm. you trade two hours of entertainment for five minutes of entertainment, and the result. But the again, the second that result isn't there, mm. you become um, super aware of what you're watching and how unenjoyable it is. Well, let's move on to talk about the tactical side of things a little bit, because uh, Jonathan Wilson wrote an article on the impact of coronavirus on the Premier League, and he suggested that pressing is down, and this is changing on-pitch dynamics across the league. Do you agree with Jonathan Wilson's argument, and how do you think that this phenomenon is affecting Spurs if you do? Yes, is the short answer. This is something that I've been... um talking about most of the season now and kind of also the end of last season uh you know the the project's restart um post season kind of <laughs> whatever it was uh last time around yeah um i think perhaps and i'm i'm jumping the gun a little bit at this stage again this is a comeback to me in 2 weeks and <laughs> check on my mood again but i think perhaps uh the reason that that um essentially defense first football was working for us a couple of weeks ago and is starting to not work so well for us now um is that modern football is kind of returning, having been put on pause for um, a period of time during which there was no pre-season, a period of time during which um, a lot of players have been suffering with a um, a lung-based virus, uh, a period of time during which fixtures are absolutely cramped together two a week, every week, forever. Um, and it has uh, reversed 
or at least partially reverse some of the incredible um, fitness-based gains that we have seen in the elite end of football over the last 10, 15 years or so and the tactical changes that those things have allowed, which is that, okay, 10, 15 years ago, Jose Mourinho was king because defence first, counter-attack football, um, his methods of fitness-based training, all of that was the way to go. But because of the um, dialectical nature of football tactics, um, the next answer became how to unlock teams who defend like Jose Mourinho teams do. And so teams developed counter-pressing and possessional models, all of which require that that super, that high, high echelon of um, levels of fitness. And with them gone, things uh, things kind of reversed. And now they are <laughs> re-reversing. <laughs> they, are, they are getting <laughs> back into gear. So do you think that's a sort of match fitness thing then, is that teams are now... They've sort of done their pre-season at the beginning of the season and now they're back in full flow. It's it's sort of reversing things. That's the feeling. Yeah, that that's kind of that's kind of the um that's the the impression that I'm getting. Uh the thing with that though, I is like um I just because the things are trending against Spurs right now in, in those in doesn't necessarily mean that will hold out for the rest of the season. Um because like yes, we we've Essentially, we've talked about the short-term effects of the lack of a preseason. What are the, you know, what are going to be the long-term effects? Um, so this could again just keep swaying back and forth until, you know, issues outside of football are uh, are resolved. Uh, but yeah, no. Essentially, I think I think Liverpool, Manchester City, um, have been have been having their preseason uh, up until mid-December. Um, I ask all of our guests about their transfer business um in the summer maybe summer seems a long time uh, away now but um this is the first time i've spoken to a spurs fan since then so how happy were you with your summer transfer business i was pretty happy man i was pretty happy uh for all of the criticism that i've already laid on this very podcast of Josie Mourinho or sort of tacit uh criticism uh what i absolutely cannot deny him is his ability to attract players um and so you know whether I think that they are correct in thinking so or not, it doesn't matter because the likes of Sergio Regulon, who is nothing shy of one of the very best left backs in the world, uh, has arrived at our club and immediately proven himself one of the very best left backs in the world. Hoybier, really smart purchase. Uh, he stepped up a level where I suspected that he might not. Um, Gareth Bale, things aren't working out quite as we might hope with Gareth Bale, but <laughs> it's almost like just the idea of him is so much that it, he it carries him through uh, his own <laughs> lack of lack of fitness. Roden is sort of still working his way onto the scene. I think things are still fairly positive in that the, the card hasn't been shown yet, but um, pretty optimistic about him. Matt Doherty, not off to the best uh season um maybe wasn't we aren't using him to his, his so his greatest strength is essentially that he becomes a striker in the box he moves in narrow and we aren't playing we aren't we aren't using him in in that role um we're using in sort of well, a I mean, your strikers a, don't even play like strikers well there the you moment, go right? yeah <laughs> so yeah we ha- we aren't using him to his strengths and he's just maybe a little shy of the quality that we we were after from him uh, but he has sort of perhaps enabled Sergioria to uh, sort his game out a little bit, at least. Is that everyone? Vinicius, Carlos Vinicius, 
not going great so far but I would rather wait on him uh, a few more weeks I think essentially the idea of him is to come in and, and take some minutes of Harry Kane stop Harry Kane running himself into the ground and Harry Kane just started uh, a League Cup game and played the full 90 so that the, the plan is not uh, being achieved there but overall a strong window there remain some some shortnesses and some gaps in the squad but we made we made huge strides last summer in, in those regards. Let's talk about the tactics then. Where would you say Mourinho's Spurs are right now? What does he look to do with his teams? First and foremost, he looks to manipulate the scoreline. Um, and that means scoring as early as possible. Something that we've been really incredibly good at to the point where... <laughs> Many people, yourself included, John, <laughs> uh, suspect that it has been uh, dramatically unsustainable is is scoring from essentially our first attack of the game, game after game <laughs> after game. Uh, and for those opening 10 minutes, I think we've played some really good, impressive and yes, lethal football. Um, after which point um, we've been dropping off and dropping off and dropping off. Um now, Mourinho says that it's not his intention to completely sort of surrender the entirety of possession a single goal up because you can't just defend single goal leads uh, for, you know, 80 minutes. Uh, but nonetheless, that is what is occurring on the pitch. I think we're having, again, like we were talking about earlier in terms of teams gradually increasing their ability to counterpress us, um, our, our counterattacks are sort of... Uh, from that from that deep position not really materializing like we'd like them to at this stage in the season um but when it works when we keep the opposition at bay and when we maybe nick one on the counter attack that is sort of where the game finishes how are you feeling about the prospect of facing leeds uh, a team who are unlike any other team in the division because they adopt a man marking system this is going to be a test that is going to be like none other that Mourinho's Spurs face this season so how are you feeling about that prospect I'm excited I'm excited for this game I'm excited from sort of I guess more of like a neutrals perspective I'm excited for the spectacle I think I mean essentially going back to what we were talking about earlier um, it'll be good to watch I think despite us and I'm excited to watch an exciting game. Um, I hope that Spurs will be on the right end of that. But first and foremost, I think that Leeds will essentially force us into a chaotic back and forth game. And that that means, you know, Harry Kane picking up the ball um, in a pocket of space deep with with a with a high line to play over the top of that means Tangi and Dombele getting the opportunity to receive the ball on the turn and beat his marker and create those sort of chaotic opportunities it means football will occur and I'm excited to watch some football <laughs> so one of the interesting things about the man marking system is that the formation for Leeds is always settled by the opposition um so Leeds will be setting up in in some formation which is responding to the way that the Mourinho sets up so if I reverse that question and ask it, to you, ask it to you, do you think there's any logic behind what structure Mourinho will, will, will set up against Leeds and, and how do you think Bielsa will be able to respond to that? It's a really, really interesting one on this front because essentially the two managers are looking to do the opposite thing, um, which is that, and we talked we talked about this recently, uh, we tried to go a bit in depth with this recently, when the, um, if the opposition player back four Bielsa likes to play a back three. If the opposition are playing a back three, Bielsa likes to play a back four. 
right? Bielsa wants to find the the lines in between. Bielsa wants to play in the space. Bielsa wants to want wants to create these uneven um, combinations and, and have that spare man at the back. Whereas Mourinho wants to match fours against fours and threes against threes. So it'll be interesting if um, you know uh, we we just played a game in which it seems like Mourinho was predicting Wolves to play with the back three. So we started in a back three and then Wolves had actually turned up with a 4-2-3-1. So we switched to a 4-2-3-1. Be interesting to see if something similar happens here where the two managers sort of switch, chase each other through formations back and forth throughout the game. Yeah, I can see that happening for sure. One thing I've not mentioned is, or I have mentioned but I haven't talked to you about, is is having the the fact that Spurs have had a game off this match day. How do you think that's going to impact you? Do you think it will be better for, for you? I guess this is a question that's going to be raised as more and more teams are going to just miss out on fixtures and have a week off. So um, how do you think that that's going to suit you, this game off, this match day? Yeah, I mean, again, it, it's, it really, really depends if, if it's the case that we have, have skipped a game to later look at or whether we're about to see a, a more lengthy break here, uh, and this podcast of yours is going to be shelved maybe for a couple of weeks, because it's like, if if everyone's getting a full week's rest, that probably favours other teams. Whereas if we're going to have two, three weeks off, um, and 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 long term periodization plans start to get thrown off, that probably favours us. In terms of injury wise, how are you looking at the moment? Not terrible. It's been it's been a, it's been an interesting couple of years for for horrific injuries, and this again goes back to our sort of opening discussion about fitness. Is that like whereas a lot of clubs are suffering with major muscle injuries up and down the club uh, because of Spurs' sort of lower intensity style, uh, things aren't quite so bad. So, with that in mind, how do you think that you will set up on Saturday? What structure and um, and, and players will you have in that formation? Okay, so Vinicius, Lucas, and Bale are all carrying minor injuries. They might be all right by the time that the Leeds game comes around, especially if it's pushed back. The bigger question is on Giovanni Lo Celso, who again is not necessarily a starter, um, but is maybe maybe the twelfth man, maybe the first man off the bench a lot of the time. Um, it seems like probably Ndombele is is cleared to fit after a few recent questions, which means that he'll be starting in the number 10 role. What a horrible way to start a lineup discussion <laughs> uh, behind Harry Kane. Uh, the wide players will likely be Sun and one other, probably Bergvine. Um, the midfield at the moment tends to be uh, Hoybier and Sissoko. And the defensive line, uh, assuming that we're talking about our first 11 here, obviously there's a lot of football, uh, but Regulon is our first choice left back. Dyer plays on the left side of a central defence alongside Alderweireld, and the right back at the moment is Aurea with Hugo Lloris in goal. One question that I ask all of our guests is, which of your players do you think need to play well if you are to beat Leeds? I will say Musa Sissoko. Sissoko is in the team for his defensive work, for his tracking of runners, uh, especially in low block situations, uh, which, okay, Mourinho will be looking to create that situation uh, as much as he can, especially whilst to goal up. Um, but at least some of the time, his job is going to be involving carrying the ball under pressure. Uh, Suzuko is a really interesting uh, player when it comes to being pressed because I think people, people think of him as simply being weak in terms of being pressed and that's certainly true in terms of his first touch it's certainly true in terms of him receiving back to goal 
Um, it's certainly true of him receiving on the turn. Uh, that's where he's vulnerable. But once he's got that touch out under his feet, once he's beginning to run, he's actually very good on the ball. So it's about can Spurs find a way to get him to receive with the right body shape, receive with that that moment of time to uh, to get facing the right way or not. Uh, otherwise, if we if 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 we can't get Sissoko playing football uh, it will be a place where Leeds are able to turn the ball over quite a few times and, and make us uh, make us a little scared yeah it's interesting I didn't expect you to say him <laughs> another thing that I don't do in this in this podcast is ask people for predictions because um, I mean football is wild uh, but I do ask how you expect the game to go how do you expect the ebb and flow of this game to to run um, on Saturday <laughs> yeah I mean if it's if it's if it's the if it's what we've seen recently, uh, Spurs score early, Spurs sit back, Leeds apply pressure and apply pressure and take pot shots and get corners and shoot from distance and shoot into defensive players and then in the 89th minute equalise <laughs> from a corner. But if the style of football presented by Bielsa is something very different, and I've kind of not really got much of an idea as to how it might go. I'm I'm kind of thinking, as I was saying earlier, that this might be something a little more open-ended, uh, a little more dramatic, a little a very fast-paced. I kind of hope so. Mm, me too. Well, Nathan, it's been a pleasure to chat to you as always. What's the best way of people finding your stuff online? I am at Nathan A. Clark on Twitter and my podcast is at The Extra Inch on Twitter. Cool. Well, thanks so much for chatting. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. So that was Nathan Clark of the Extra Inch podcast. Lots of interesting uh, things to talk about from there. I think maybe the best place to start is with Jose Mourinho, who, as he always does, dominates a lot of the conversations about Tottenham. So let's start with you, Darren Driver. How do you feel about the prospect of playing against a Jose Mourinho team? I think I've been saying for a number of weeks on the on this podcast that that this this game and this this Mourinho team uh, absolutely terrify me from the point of view that I think they are absolutely custom tooled to to cause cause us problems and that if if we're to um, have any chance of making it a competitive game that we're going to have to do some things really well that we haven't done um, in other, in other games like this. Uh, but yeah, I I, I do worry. I, I am in, very interested to see the kind of the, the you know the kind of battle of the dogmatists, if you like. I know that people like to think of, of of Mourinho as a pragmatic manager, but I consider him to be incredibly dogmatic, and and I'll, I'll be really interested to see how it plays out because I was really interested to hear 
Nathan say that he feels that Mourinho might be forced into making it a more open game. And I kind of thought about it in the terms of that I don't think anybody makes Mourinho do anything that he doesn't want to do. And I think that, that yeah, I think it'd be really interesting to see how, how it plays, whether we can t- tease Spurs out or whether they will stick to that kind of um, very clear plan that they've played to so far this season. So Tom, how do you respond to that question about whether or not it's going to be an open game with, um, I suppose, Leeds turning the ball over a lot, losing it a lot perhaps, but then turning it back over quite a lot as well? Do you agree with that? Do you think that's the way that the game will pan out? Yeah, I mean, honestly, I it wasn't something I'd really thought about. Uh, in I, I didn't think that would be what happened. But after listening to Nathan talk about it, it makes perfect sense that if 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 they look to break when the opposition commit loads of men forward and we're going to commit loads of men forward, it makes sense that it would be back and forth. For some reason, I thought it would be more us hogging the ball and you know them breaking occasionally. But I think Nathan's probably right. It will be a bit more of a ding dong. Yeah, it's it's certainly an interesting one, isn't it? And I think we you know we talk a lot about leads and low blocks, but I think something we mentioned in the most recent podcast was that. Um, it's not really the case that Leeds have played against a lot of low blocks. Um, that, that a lot of the games have, despite the fact that Leeds do have um, high possession numbers, a lot of that is to do with the fact that they win the ball back well rather than they keep the ball well. Um, and I think that this game will be we know different to that. We know that Spurs, yeah, at times they will sit back and they will uh, be hard to break down and they will um, they will be very well organised defensively. But I do think that they're they're very well. Uh, designed and set up to be able to press in the right areas as well in in deep areas so I I certainly expect that to to be the case Um, in in light of that fact how are we we willing to um, face the coming week when the the narrative shift will probably take place one of the things that has been so interesting about this season is that Leeds have been very good against teams that they probably should be beating or at least should be competitive with and have been uh, a little bit less good against teams who have much better players than them. Do we see this as being a game where Spurs will just dominate as man for man? They've got obviously they've got some of the the best forwards in the league. Harry Kane is no doubt the best number 9 I think in the league um and is has been very good this season I think even just dropping deep in between the lines and playing almost as a 10. Um Hyungmin Son goes without saying has been one of the most deadly finishes in the in the league I think if you look at his his overperformance of xg is wild I think he's somewhat something like 14 goals from seven xg or something like that I, um, I although I wouldn't quote myself on that but it's something wild like that uh, they also have players like Tangi and Dombele who is one of the most press resistant midfielders that you will come across in the Premier League uh, if not the world um, all of that I think is you know the speed of Son the ability of, of Kane to play decent passes from between the lines and the ability of Tange and Dombele to to break presses makes me pretty nervous about this game so um, are you guys feeling the same way as as I am about this it could be one of those ones where it's a game we want to forget and the narrative will be back to well Marcelo Bielsa should sit men behind the ball and see what happens Tom we'll go with you first yeah well I mean it's almost what you started uh, that that monologue with it's almost like a truism isn't it like uh you know, Leeds do well against teams that don't have players that are quite as good and do badly against teams that have better players than them. It's like, it's the way it should be for most teams, I guess. Um, But yeah, I mean, I think it's going to be scary and it's going to be difficult and we'll probably lose. But but equally, I'm not sure we'll see the same kinds of dramatic um, reactions to this one as we did to the Manchester United game because we've just come off the back of three wins in four and 
I think at the time of that Man United game, it was, apart from that Newcastle game that was directly before it, it was, uh, had we had we been losing? Okay. Yeah, we, we'd just lost against West Ham, hadn't we? And uh, so I think, I think narratives being what they are, I think the... The sort of the environment for this game is slightly different than it was for the Manchester United game, not least because it's not Manchester United. Yeah, I mean, I absolutely agree. The the narrative thing is is really uh, really interesting, isn't it? Because you know we we beat a very poor West Brom side who who set up very poorly to deal with the threats that we that we pose, and and you know once that kind of uh, once that first own goal went in, and certainly once the second goal went in. <clears throat> there was very little, very little danger of us not coming away with a really convincing victory in that game. So, so naturally, um, the world's reaction to that, or Twitter's reaction to that, is to, is now that we're back to being the best team in the world again, and that we're definitely qualifying for Europe and and all that kind of thing. And and um, you know, I, I think it's it's very predictable that that should should Spurs beat us and beat us convincingly, which is entirely possible. I also think it's entirely possible that we come away with some sort of result and some sort of, you know, wonderful performance. But I but I think it is more likely that, that Spurs will 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 um will have, you know, a really good chance of having a good and comfortable result. Then yeah, it will be interesting to see how the narrative swings back, particularly given that we've got other very challenging games, uh particularly the Southampton game coming up, which could see a kind of an extension of that narrative about what you know, can we play out from the back and all that kind of stuff that that I think you'll yeah, we'll we'll be seeing the usual doylums on talk sport rearing their head and well I won't because I blocked them on Twitter anyway but and I would never listen to it but um but you know that that kind of narrative will be in the air again and and we'll be we'll be ringing all sorts of narrative klaxons uh, as as we do repeatedly yeah and just looking at the schedule from here on in then we we're, we're after the Spurs game we have two more games until we hit the halfway point of the season um and I suppose we, you know, we've constantly been saying uh, over the next few games it'd be nice to get this amount of points from it. As things stand, even if we don't win any of the next three games, we will go in to the halfway point of the season with 23 points, which is projected for 46 points over the course of the season. Um, I'm just interested in how you guys view the last three games in this half of the season. So Spurs, Southampton and Brighton. What sort of point total would you, would you be happy with coming out um, from those three games, Darren? I'd be happy with with three points because I think I think out of those the one that you could reasonably expect us to win is is the Brighton game. Um, I think I think that it's possible that we'll we'll get four. I think the Southampton game could be a bit you know a real kind of end to end pretty uh, pretty epic epic game. But um, I'm not expecting anything out of the Spurs game. I'm not necessarily expecting anything out of the Southampton game. But I think we should beat Brighton and I think we will beat Brighton. Yeah, I feel the same really. I think. Three would be the sort of minimum that I'd be happy with, um, but we could conceivably get four or six. I think I wouldn't be too surprised by that. Uh, but and yeah, I, th- I think Brighton—they're definitely one of the teams that, bef- you know, if if you gave me all the fixtures on a sh- on a sheet of paper, I think Brighton would be almost my favourite team for us to play against. Why do you say that? Um, I just think that they're. I think we do well against teams that try and play technical football uh, that don't. You know, not particularly physical, um, not hugely defensive, but also not really gung ho. I, I think Villa was a little bit like that. I think, and and it suited us really well. So, I mean, this is without having huge knowledge of of Brighton, but you know, plus, uh, you know, we just want to do it for Ben, don't we? Ben White can <laughs> chuck one in his own net. <laughs> 
Yeah, so let's go back to the um, the Spurs game in particular. The way that Nathan described it, the recent matches that they've had, is that Spurs come out of the blocks quickly, get an early goal, and then look to sit back on a narrow lead. Do you expect the game to follow that sort of pattern, Tom? And do you think that that would suit us if it does? I think it will definitely follow that pattern. Um, I don't see why Mourinho would change it up for this game in particular. Will it suit us? Probably not. Um, I, I mean... We've we've played a lot of games like this now with where teams. I mean, Leicester, I think, play quite similar in that regard, in that they try the sort of shock and awe thing right at the beginning. Um, and yeah, I mean, it, we, we just have to be really, really careful defensively at early doors, and I think we have been in recent games, apart from Manchester United, obviously. Um, so uh, it's just a case of you know can can all of our best defensive players step up to the plate when they need to because i think all of the back four and the keeper are going to need to be on it if we're going to get something from this game yeah i i guess the 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 cynic in me is thinking that if spurs do get an early goal and then sit back it probably will suit us in that you know they won't blow us away and it will give us a chance back into games and i guess this is the big argument about Mourinhoism, um whether or not that's a wise tactic from from them to sort of get the goal and then try and see out the the win from there um Darren, what about you? How are you looking at the, the, the game in terms of that, that perhaps the second aspect of it in terms of breaking down a low block? Do you think that the Leeds have what it takes to break down um, Spurs' well-organised defence? Like we've said many, many times, it's always really challenging to, to break down a low block, isn't it? And even with some, you know, some really fantastic players and some of the best players in the world, we regularly see Manchester City struggle to do it. Um, I... Yeah, I, I I agree with some of the things from the previous podcast that that Burnley didn't particularly play with a low block. Uh, low block. West Brom didn't particularly play with with a low block. I'm not quite sure what it was that West Brom were trying to do, to be honest. Um, and um, so yeah, I think I think we I think we will struggle. I I, th- I still think we'll create a couple of decent chances as we usually do. I think playing against a Mourinho low block is probably a bit different from playing against other low low blocks because he's kind of really built his more his more recent career on kind of um, making sure that that his that his teams are as good at, as as possible at that. Um, just in terms of the start of the game, what you were, what you were saying before, I was just having a thought previously. I think Mourinho may have noticed that we do struggle more when we play in a 3-3-1-3 formation and I did wonder whether he might start the game with two strikers as a kind of uh as a quite a proactive move to try and unsettle us and to try and try and uh, I think he might see that as the most effective way to to get that lead and then to sink back into his usual 4-5-1 4-2-3-1 um or it, it occasionally he drops into a line of six right at the back, doesn't he, particularly to cover the wide areas. So that's kind of how I expect the game to play out, really, um, that that they'll they'll start in that way and then drop back, uh, you know, soon into the game. Yeah, I believe they played a 4-4-2, well, 4-2-2-2 against Liverpool recently. Yeah. So they, they definitely got that in their locker. Uh, and that would force us to play the 3-3-1-3. And um, yeah, I think we've we've come out and said in the most recent podcast that the the, four, the three three one three hasn't looked great this season, um, namely because the, I don't think the fullbacks are up to being wingbacks in in that sense. Um, if they do play the four two three one, which they have done in the majority of their games, that will mean that Leeds will play in the four one four one probably. Um, and so the question then is, do Leeds keep the team the same? Tom, what, what's your take on this? I guess the biggest issue is going to be with centre backs, right? First of all, it depends if Cooper's fit or not. I don't, th- or, or 
I guess conceivably Lorente, but it didn't work very well throwing Lorente in without any um, you know practice matches last time. So I'd be very surprised first of all if Lorente were to play any part other than being on the bench. Uh, Cooper, maybe if he was fit, he might throw him in. Personally, I'd keep striking Agreed. as we discussed on the last project. Uh, project, uh, the last. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's good that we could touch base on this one. Football manager speakers infiltrating my mind. <laughs> Um, yeah, uh, the last podcast, um, I, I would keep it as is and give Cooper that extra rest. Maybe have him on the bench, like for, you know, if, if for example, we needed to push, if it was a 3-3-1-3, it might be useful to have Cooper on the bench because then we could push either Calvin or Stroke into midfield um, if, if we wanted to change the formation at some point. But yeah, I'd keep it the same. And the other thing is click, isn't it? Like mm, yeah. we don't yeah. we don't 100% know if click is fit or not. So uh, possible Shackleton will come in if click isn't fit. Probable that Shackleton will come in, I, I suspect. Su- yeah, I yeah. suppose so. I mean, I still wouldn't be, I, w- I would be surprised, but not completely shocked if he brought Pablo in instead. I, I don't think it would be the wisest move, but it wouldn't completely surprise me. I think what's most likely is that he'd put Shackleton in at right back and move Dallas into the mid, uh, or right wing back and move Dallas mm. into the into yeah. the midfield because I think yeah. that I think he would favour that as a as a kind of uh, favour Dallas's experience there really rather than uh, I think, and, yeah we did discuss this on the podcast work the, the fact that he he likes to do one or the other depending on the opponent but the only thing I'd say there is you've got you've got Son on the left wing um, would he trust Dallas to handle him more than he would trust Shackleton That's a good good point yeah. <laughs> that's, a, that's a bit of a Sophie's choice, isn't it? Really? It really is. <laughs> um, yeah. Oh dear, I don't want to think about that too much. But um, I guess the question we, we should then ask is: which of those m- members of the Spurs team that we've mentioned would you be the most worried about? Is it is it Son because he just has he seems to have an a, ability to just score his first cha- att- attacking opportunity? In, in every game, whatever the value of the XG of the chance that he gets, it just always seems to go in. And uh, I suppose that's a scary uh, prospect. Or is it the fact that Harry Kane is, 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 you know, as we've already said, an elite goal creator and goal scorer? Um, or is it maybe one of the deeper lying midfielders they have, as we've mentioned, and Don Bellet, and we've also mentioned um, Giovanni Lo Celso as well. Um, what, what are the, which of the players on the Spurs team are we most worried about, Darren? Son for me because I I think that he he's been a player that I've really admired for for quite a few years. I think he's an absolutely fantastic player and um he's he's the sort of player that I used to really love watching when it was when it was a Pochettino team and and he's so incredibly effective. He's really quick, really decisive. You know, makes makes really good decisions about uh about how how to you know he's really direct uh, in in his attacking style and. Yeah, he, he he really does worry me, and particularly now that him and him and Kane seem to have this kind of fantastic understanding, where Kane always seems to know where the run's going to be, and he's, he's invariably got the the right pass. It, it's it's the, it's the, it's the three of Kane, Son, and um, and Ndombele that that really worry me, because I think between the three of them, they've got everything that that we worry about. How about you, Tom? Yeah, I presume you'll you'll agree with that. Yeah, I definitely agree with it. Um, the only thing I'd add is that. Um, the way Kane has been playing this season, dropping deep, it's almost tailor-made to work well against our man-marking system, I think, because one of the centre-backs will be following him all the way to, into midfield and that could potentially create lots of space for him to then play the ball into. So we'll have to be very wary of that. 
It's almost like it's the combination of Kane and, and Son which has been yeah. terrifying this season, isn't it? The fact that, that you know, Kane can do exactly what Son needs and both of them will be doing stuff that will really harm us if we're not careful. Um, those sort of quick counter-attacks into, you know, the space between the centre-back and the full-back is just, it's just terrifying. And, um, yeah, the, the defence will really have to, to play well. And I guess with that in mind, who are the players who are going to have to play well Tom for for Leeds to get anything out of this game. I'm going to go for Luke Ayling, especially if we play back four, because I think he'll probably be the spare man, and it might end up being his job to uh, pick up Son when you know Dallas has gone forward or something like that, or potentially pick up Kane when the other centre backs dragged out of position. So I think he's going to have to have a great game, which he has been having recently. So hopefully that continues. Darren, how about you? Phillips. I think Phillips is going to have to do a really good job on uh, on Dombele, um and and kind of make sure that he that he that he's really great in the press, that he that he keeps a good track on him, that that he matches him physically. Um, and I, I think that we've we've seen Phillips struggle against other players of this uh, of this quality this season. So I think Phillips is going to be need to be need to be right on top of his game in order to to, to keep us keep us moving. Yeah. So this is a, an early kickoff on. Saturday, I believe, right? Is it? Is, it, yeah. is that right? The twelve thirty kickoff. Twelve twelve thirty. Yeah. So yeah, plenty plenty for us to look forward to, and that is that does conclude our um, analysis of what the game will look like. If you want to have more content, if this isn't enough for you, if we haven't sated your appetite, then we do have a Patreon page, which is a subscription platform where you can get bonus content. We put up video analysis and also bonus podcasts over there. So if you want to check that out, head over to www.patreon.com forward slash all stats, aren't we? But for now, um, we will let you get on with your New Year's celebrations. Um, Thank you both for coming on. Appreciate you coming on at what is a a busy time of year Um, and hope that you both have a good New Year's celebration. celebration so thank you darren thanks john happy new year mate thanks pal and also thank you tom happy new year to everyone (laughs) everyone and with that we will see you in the next year deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Confidence starts with loving who you are. And when your skin feels nourished and glows on the outside, you naturally radiate confidence from the inside. Give your skin a glow up with Osea's clinically proven Mega Moisture Duo. This ultra-hydrating body care features two of Osea's bestsellers, Andaria Algae Body Oil and Andaria Collagen Body Lotion. These seaweed-powered heroes use skincare-level ingredients normally reserved for your face for results you can see and confidence you can feel. 
Osea has been making clean, clinically proven seaweed-infused face and body care products for over 28 years. This luxurious skincare is vegan, cruelty-free, and climate-neutral certified, so you never have to choose between your values and your best skin. Glow from the inside out. Get 10% off your first order with code GLOW at oseamalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A-Malibu.com, code GLOW.